Let me ask you a question. Do you have a deep knowing that you're only just scratching the surface of where you're capable of taking your business growth? Are you successful but have some invisible hurdles that are slowing you down? Business growth comes from creating and implementing strategies and frameworks, but strategies and frameworks on their own will not take you to the level I know you desire and are capable of. Living in alignment with your unique human design will help you to attract the abundance you are ready for. And I've just created a free guide to help you understand your unique human design blueprint. It's called the Human Design Advantage, and you can get your copy over at samanthariley.global forward slash advantage. I believe if we're not building trust, we are either leaving it there with nothing happening or we're eroding it more than likely. It's just such a more enriching experience to create the relationships that really then fast track your visibility and your opportunities that are really meaningful and with the right audiences versus just more people on your list or more people come to your class. Like that's really only part of what we do if we really want to succeed in business. My name is Samantha Riley, and this is the podcast for coaches, course creators, and experts who want to grow their influence, income, and impact to take their coaching business to a million dollars and beyond. We're going to share the latest business growth, marketing, and leadership strategies, as well as discussing how you can use your human design to create success in business and life inside and out create the influence income and impact you need to build your business so you can create your ideal lifestyle it's time to make a difference and scale up this is the influence by design podcast Welcome to today's episode of Influence by Design I'm your host Samantha Riley and I'm very excited because today we're talking about a topic that is near and dear to my heart which is social trust I think social media is such an amazing opportunity for every entrepreneur, something that I didn't have around when I started my business back in the early 90s. So I've invited Deb Komen onto the show, who is a content conversion strategist who empowers service-based business owners to create trust-building content that generates sales, referrals, and collaborations. Deb hosts a weekly Twitter chat called Social Trust on Mondays, 3 p.m. Eastern, on Twitter and was featured by BuzzSumo in their top 100 content marketers to follow, which is, oh my goodness, I can't wait to even hear about that. Right now, Deb helps clients simplify their marketing with actionable steps that create alignment, consistency, and a connection. So welcome to the show, Deb. It's great to have you joining us. Thank you so much, Sam. It's great to be here. I'm really looking forward to diving in this conversation. Like I said, social trust, I think is so important. We're going to talk about Twitter and specifically Twitter chats. We were introduced originally by a mutual friend of ours, Melanie Benson, and I had her on the show to talk about Twitter back in episode 363. So I feel like that this is like an extension of that episode and we're going to dive deep into that topic. So I'd love you to start off by sharing how would you define social trust? Social trust is relationship currency that we earn with meaningful conversation that builds relationships, that establishes and nurtures trust that then can lead us to really all the opportunities we want in our business, sales, referrals, collaborations, opportunities much like this frequently have their kernel of a start 
in some form of trust. And we can make that happen for ourselves when we create our own social trust. Mm, I love that. And I can say from a, I guess, a recipient of being on social media with yourself and with a lot of other unscrupulous marketers right now. And I know that everyone listening has had some really spammy messages. I believe in, and we were talking about this before we hit record, to me, the last 12 months on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn has gotten way spammier with people just cold outreach, like, hey, I've just connected with you, but here's what I do and buy my thing. And it's just like, ugh, yuck, just stop it. And the flip side of that is when you and I connected on social and before we really knew each other, I was like, wow, this is a really different experience with Deb. I've never, you know, there's very few people I've had this experience with. So can you talk us through for the people that aren't connected with you yet? And for if you're listening, I suggest you do con- reach out and connect with Deb just to even experience this connection that Deb does. Can you explain to us how it is that you use social that's different from, hey, Sam, buy my stuff? Yeah, and it's tricky, certainly for some people. And I think that as marketers or business owners, sometimes we tend to see marketing trends and think, well, that looks pretty awesome. Let me learn about that and do that. Let me figure out how to use direct messaging. Let me figure out how to get these engagement prompts that help my content go viral. And we lose our way when we we go down those paths. And it's pretty surprising to me because if we stop for a moment and think about how we like to be approached, we wouldn't do the things that many people are saying work Mm. in marketing. And really, they don't work. I mean, not certainly not in the long term. They don't feel good to the person on the other side, like what you're saying. They don't establish trust. In fact, they erode trust. And that's what mm. a lot of people have experienced. Like, I don't want to be on social media. It's all negative or it's just people selling their stuff. And some of it is intentional and some of it is misguided mm-hmm. because people used to think about social media as a way to push out their content. And that's what they should open up the apps and do. And it's really the opposite. It's really about listening and engaging with what's already there. Mm. I love that you mentioned erode trust because a lot of the conversation when we're talking about this is, you know, that beginning conversation and reach out and say, buy my stuff. But I was talking with a friend a couple of weeks ago and she mentioned a situation to me where she's known this person for over 10 years and on a colleague level. And this person reached out to ask her if she would like to join her free training or have a free resource or whatever it was, was inviting her to something. And she said, hey, look, not because this is a friend, she just went straight back and went, hey, look, I'm just a bit tied up at the minute. Um, Can you circle back tomorrow? And this person went, oh, no, the opportunity is only open to today. And she said in that instant, she said that trust or that relationship ended So we're talking a 10-year relationship with a colleague that ended in that, you know, 20-second DM, essentially. Yeah, and it happens all the time. I believe if we're not building trust, we are either leaving it there with nothing happening or we're eroding it more than likely. 
Mm. You know, and that happens, like you said, in the private messaging, as well as right out there on the platform. If people keep seeing your stuff and not feeling invited to engage with the content and engage with you, they're probably going to stop paying attention sooner rather than later. Mm. Because most of us who love social media, love it for the relationships, love it for the engagement, for the back and forth, not for pushing out what I have and hoping people will just buy. It just doesn't really work that way. And it's not to say you can't get sales that way. Oh, 100%. Right? It's just such a more enriching experience to create the relationships that really then fast track your visibility and your opportunities that are really meaningful and with the right audiences versus just you know, more people on your list or more people come to your class. Like that's really only part of what we do Mm. if we really want to succeed in business. So I just wanted to cover here that you're, or, you know, really ensure that people are getting, you're not saying we don't use social media to share our content. You're not saying we don't sell, um, sell, we don't go on social media to share our products and our services. And you're not saying that we don't go on social media to start these business conversations. Can you dig in a little bit more about how you're talking about the engagement process? Because what I believe you are is that conduit between being on social media and getting people to take that action rather than missing this middle piece. So can you talk us through some of the ways that we can fill this gap? Yes, absolutely. And you're right, spot on that it doesn't mean we can't put our content out there, but that shouldn't be the first order of business. And it should really be a fraction of what we do Mm -hmm. because the bulk of it should be about opening up and looking, literally looking at what's in the feed and we're responsible for our own feed. If we don't like what we see, it's because we haven't been engaging with the right people or the right oh, topics. Or, amen. I mean, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Easy fix. Start engaging with what you enjoy, appreciate, align with, and you will see more of that basically on all the platforms. So again, when people say it's not working, it's all trash, it's because you're engaging with that trash on some level, Mm -hmm. or just not realizing that you can be cultivating a better feed. Mm. So when you open it up, and you look to, to engage with what's there, and literally look for the people, the topics, the conversations that you can contribute to, and step in and do that. Listen to people, learn from that back and forth that can go on sometimes for days, even on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And then when you go to create or like what I do with a, my social trust chat is I know what people are talking about. So I will then create content or a platform or a, bring a guest in on that topic that I know people are interested in. Mm. So it's a much easier, more aligned way to create content and to know that people want it already because they told you beforehand. Mm. Who are the people that you engage with? So what's your, I guess, barometer with the people that you reach out and engage with? Because I'm sure there's a strategy here 
It's not just yeah. very random. <laughs> right. There is. And it is actually straight off. It's those who approach social media the same way that I do. Mm-hmm. So even if it's someone who I really admire and they put out great content, but it's all one way and they're asking questions that you respond to, then they don't respond back. They never get back to you on things. That doesn't feel like that's where I want to spend my time. Mm-hmm. But those, whether their followings are big or small, whether they have a lot of content or not, if there's a value share where, you know, I see because of the way they show up or the stories they tell or the things that they engage with that, hey, we have some things in common here. We approach business the same way or what we do with our non-business time is similar. Those are connection points. And frequently, that means there are going to be more points like that, that ultimately, I believe, build trust that leads to them wanting to know more about what we do, referring people to us, remembering us. When our topics come to light, they'll tag us on social media. Mm -hmm. Hey, Deb, someone's talking about trust over here. Check this out. Like, and then it just grows. It really actually flourishes when you spend your time doing that versus sitting in a little cubicle, writing blog after blog after blog and putting it out there. It's a little hit or miss. I think we all know. Mm. And people don't, they still consume that. Don't get me wrong, but that's not really why they're there. You know, if they're looking like I am for people to engage with. Mm to have real conversations with and, and to bring each other to our audiences. Like I want to share the people I meet and bring them to my audience in the way that many will ask me to do the same. Mm. It's a fabulous authority positioning piece. And I'm all about positioning our authority so that we're the person that, that people turn to when they, you know, a topic comes to mind or they need some help. And that's certainly how I invited you on the show because, you know, your brand of social trust and using that hashtag social trust all the time and to be constantly, and actually constantly is not the right word, probably consistently rather than constantly, consistently in my DMs of, hey, you know, just a nice little, hey, Sam, I saw that you moved house. I love the look of your new office or, you know, commenting on a picture. And, you know, you were just consistently there showing up. And I'm like, wow, I love the way that Deb interacts with social media. I need to invite her on the show. And that's that positioning piece. It's like as soon as you think about social trust, it's like, oh, Deb Komen, she's the person you need to speak to. Well, thank you so much. I love showing up that way. For most of us, it's natural. And if it's not, we can learn how to do that and still be true to ourselves. I mean, it's just that we might not know the mechanics of how to do that comfortably on the platforms. But if we do that and show up as we would with real, real people, that's what we are. When someone like you shares, Hey, I moved, look at my new place. Like the natural thing is to say, Oh, I love it. Tell me about it or good luck or anything like that. And many people don't think perhaps to go that extra step and tell the person, right. Mm -hmm share the masterclass they're doing, you know, just say, Hey, that's awesome. How did it go? Mm. And come back around to those topics, right? I think that it's important if we're building relationships 
to know that you kind of can't just pop in and out one foot and then you're kind of not really paying attention. Like you just have to really kind of keep that thread going and the conversation going. And then if it's right, you'll come together over a collaboration or a referral or something like that, or it will just be a nice contact to have in your world. Yeah. And that can be an end point, you know, and that's what I think sometimes people don't recognize the value in that, that when you have a lot of those connections, you naturally will have more opportunities over time. Totally, totally. Can you talk to us about the cadence of creating versus engaging for you? Yeah. So I, like many, used to believe, and I know you and Melanie talked about this a little bit, that Twitter is very fleeting. Like, so you have to really fill that feed, get lots of stuff out there. And I did that and I scheduled it out. And then one day it was coming to a screeching halt where it got ahead of me. And I said, oh, great. Now what? So I said, well, I really should be engaging with what's out there. There are a lot of other people out there and they're not pushing out blogs and podcasts and this and that. They're just talking. So I did that. And instantly, more and more people joined in the conversations and or asked questions of me. And suddenly now I was extremely active on Twitter and I was not putting out much, if any, content at all. I mean, at all. My content was my engagement Mm. because other people see it and then they join in. And sometimes that one or two liner is way more valuable than a blog post that not everybody has time to go over and read when they're in the feed like that. So I kind of stumbled upon it, although I always valued engagement when I just had no choice, but to go with engagement first. And I was, that's when I got picked up by BuzzSumo as a top content marketer to follow. And what was very validating was that It was not based on follower count. It was not based on content creation. It was based on engagement statistics. Hmm. They they literally looked at the back end of who has more responses and what are the things that they're doing. And it's not unique to me, but we who really appreciate engagement tend to tweet without links. We tend to respond and reply to more then we put out and retweet other people's content, all things that are, you know, we do, I do naturally as kind of a supporter. Mm -hmm. And many people just don't maybe recognize that they can be doing more of that too, Mm -hmm. with intention. Like you said, Sam, like, who do you want to be doing that with and around is where some of the strategy can come into play. Like, you know, let's do it with people that I'm aligned with or people that serve the audience that I serve. And, and then it becomes more meaningful as to what kind of opportunities that you get. Hmm. Definitely. What I'm hearing there is, you know, who shares your values? Because I think when you surround yourself with the people that share your values, so, and I'm going to sort of put something in here as well, not necessarily even someone that shares the same opinion, because I think that we can get caught into a vacuum of, oh, this is the only way there is. I actually love the art of debate and I'm quite open to other people's opinions because that's how we learn. So I know I'm a little bit different in that way. 
So it's not about putting yourself in a vacuum and necessarily only connecting with people that believe what you believe, but people who are sharing the same values as you, because then you're opening up your networks to everyone and you're creating this, you know, this collective. And as we know, it's the collective that's going to, to energetically change so much of what's happening in the world. Now, you're obviously talking about Twitter now. That is your, I'm guessing, your social platform of choice and you spend a lot of time there. And you've got a Twitter chat called Social Trust. And like I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, Melanie and I did talk about this on uh, specifically on Next Level Influence. And I really want to dive into this with you because you have started this Twitter chat that goes off. Every time I open Twitter, I see something about your Twitter chat in there. So can you start off by explaining what specifically is a Twitter chat? Yes, it is a scheduled time where people get together, typically around a branded hashtag of some sort. And mine is the hashtag social trust. And I run mine like many where it's basically featuring a guest expert most of the time. One time a month, it's just the community without an expert. So that's another way to kind of do it. And we have a topic and there's a a list of questions that go out and in a tweet, in individual tweets, and people tweet back the answers. The guest expert tweets back and we certainly want to feature and shine a light on that person. But the audience in the community does too. And we want to shine a light on those people as well. It's not just to receive information, it's to engage and make connections and help people make those connections. And I know Melly talked with you about, you know, how it's such a great strategy for people wanting to meet more people on Twitter and and find places to engage. It's ideal for that. And I love seeing people make those new connections. I mean, many times they know each other, but some of these brand new people meet, they talk during the chat through tweets, Mm -hmm. and then you see them later on having other conversations where they're supporting each other or they're featuring each other. And that's the beauty to me of social trust, that it takes on a life of its own. It helps people connect. And other Twitter chats do the same. And that's not unique to mine, where people connect and then take it further, take it beyond that. Usually it's an hour, take it beyond that one hour on Twitter and nurture that relationship moving forward. So we find this Twitter chat by the hashtag, am I correct? Yes. And we all will have a standard day and time that ours happens. They're happening around the clock. Mm -hmm. But when you know when that is, and usually people will be promoting, stay tuned, you'll see me tweet about it, here's who's coming. Then you basically just open up the Twitter app during that time. And yes, you can search the hashtag, you can follow my profile, because I'll be the one tweeting out the questions. There are a number of platforms you can use to also follow all of it at once. They tend to move very fast. So I know they can be intimidating for people. And that's why I would invite all your listeners to come to mine if they'd like to. I've really tried to simplify it, allowing only about five questions so that people don't feel bombarded and behind right out of the gate and allow for that space for people to talk with each other 
versus like constantly searching for the question and ability to answer it as quickly as possible. Mm. Because, you know, the real beauty is in the engagement and you want that. You don't want people to feel overwhelmed and like, I can't do this. It's like I said, it's not second nature, but it gets way easier the more you do it. And the reward is such that people frequently will come back regularly to the chats that they enjoy Mm. because you build a community around it, you know, that, and it happens. Yeah, I can hear that you get to know those, those people that regularly come to the chat. So you mentioned that they generally, okay, so what happens is you send out the questions, people start the conversation following that hashtag or following those threads. You mentioned that they generally go for an hour. So after that hour, do you still, or do the rest of the group still engage with conversations that do continue? Because I'm saying, I know that your Twitter chat's 3 p.m. Eastern every Monday, just that's 5 a.m. for us Australian folk, (laughs) you know, and I'm not so keen on lying in bed at 5 a.m. and tweeting. Right. (laughs) I understand. And yes, that's the beauty of Twitter is it does live on Twitter and you can search that hashtag whenever you want and go back to any of the Twitter chats that happened and contribute and answer later. So the real beauty is frequently in being there live with most of everything that we do. But I have many people who come in after it and then we'll just search through, find the questions, answer the ones that they want to answer or respond to other people's answers and say hi, or I'm here late, but I'm running through. And it's literally a conversation. Mm. And we go back, I go back, other people in my community go back and notice when people are adding it. So that, like you said, that's how the conversation keeps going. Mm. And I also do something that a lot of Twitter chat hosts do is I create a Twitter moment, which really kind of captures all the tweets in a single tweet. So someone can open it up and see everything right there. And that kind of makes it easier for people who come back later. If it's been days later, it's a little bit harder to find things. So that's one way we can try to make it easier for our audience. Love that. So can you talk us through how we can find different Twitter chats in a topic that may be interesting us. So if we're looking for maybe a Twitter chat around branding or a Twitter chat around a human design, whatever the topic is, how could we start to find that Twitter chat? Because we may not even be connected with the person or, or following the person that's starting that Twitter chat. Right. So there are, you could actually start There's a few things you can do. There are a lot of places that list Twitter chats and anywhere that I've seen them, I will list mine in there as well. So there's sometimes you could just Google like Twitter chats and you'll probably get lists of hundreds and hundreds based on categories. Like you said, what the topic is, typically it's going to be the hashtag. You could just search the hashtag. You could search hashtag human design, see what comes up. Maybe there's a Twitter chat with that exact hashtag, maybe not, but you will start to follow conversations around that topic if you follow that hashtag. And then you will probably see like if someone has a chat around that. So I don't have the names off the top of my head, but there are a number of different directories that list Twitter chats that happen regularly. Yeah, not everyone will be on there, but believe me, there is one every hour of every day around the clock for sure. 
That's very cool. It's something that I haven't done at all, even though Melanie has been trying to light a fire under my butt for quite a while around these. (laughs) (laughs) We'll get you there. And, you know, the other thing you could do, Sam, which is another way to use Twitter as a conversation hub is you can tweet out, hey, everyone, what are some good Twitter chats? that I should look to join. I'm interested in human design, or this is, these are the things that I would love to know about. And people will come back to you and and share that. They will know, or they will know someone who knows, or they'll link to the list that I'm talking about in the directory. So it's another way to kind of use it as your own community and ask for what you need when you're there. Love that. Tell me with Twitter, what's the, you know, I'm very, as you know, because we do converse on other social media platforms and we do a lot of that through DM. We'll engage on each other's content, but then generally the conversation will go into DM. I'm really unsure about how this happens in Twitter. So is the entire conversation happening in the Twitter chat or via tweets out or how much of that goes into DMs? and having a conversation specifically with that. Yeah, I love this. It's going to touch on a couple of things that we've already talked about. One is that people have different approaches. So one time during the Twitter chat, this very thing came up and I enjoy talking to people in DMs and someone I very much admire said, I feel like if you can't say it out in the feed, right in Twitter in a tweet, why would you say it to me privately? And I thought, well, okay, that wasn't my first inclination, but there's something to that, right? Like, why can't we just say, hey, Sam, I'd love to do a virtual coffee with you. Would you want to do that? We can put that right out in the open. It does a few things. It can make a connection with you. And it can also show other people like, oh, look how Deb is talking with her or the invitation she's extended. Or she says, hey, how did your dog turnout doing last week with the vet. Like you can let everyone see that. I do both. I do go to the DMs and for instance, I hold a Twitter spaces, which is the audio version after the chat where we get to talk with each other. And because I don't always know those people who come to the space, I will frequently DM them after and say, Hey, thank you so much for coming into the space and listening I hope it helped you. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you'll come back. You know, just that type of thing. Like, and I think when we think about what would we say if we were with them in the room, Mm. that's what you say in a DM. And unfortunately, a lot of people are using them differently, as you mentioned, giving it a bad rap, but it's a great way to move to one-on-one. And maybe that is where you say, would you like to do a virtual coffee? I do that a lot in there as well, but It's nice to use all the tools that you have access to Mm. and see what works with people. Some people don't check their DMs at all because they've gotten so disheartened by what's there. So you may have to put it in the feed or find them another way. Mm. I like to think about social media as being, you know, out for dinner with a big group. You know, there's a big table of people and everyone's chatting with everyone. And sometimes 
you know, the person next to you, you might be having that quiet little conversation. Hey, I know you were going through that hard time. How are you? You don't yell that to the whole table, but you're still sitting there. And that's the way I like to think about social media is sometimes we want to have a conversation just a little bit more quietly off to the side. And sometimes we have it with the whole table. And sometimes people use social media like I remember being my first time in Hong Kong and I was quite overwhelmed because I don't like, you know, I don't like being in spaces where there's a lot of people. And we were walking through one of the night markets and someone came up and he had like this big trench coat on and he sort of went, oh, you know, are you looking for watches? Because I, I was looking for watches. I just said, oh, yeah. He's like, quick, come with me. And he tries to drag me into this little lane because he had in his trench coat, he opened up and it's like, you know, in the cartoons where they've got all the watches all on the inside of their jackets, like, look, look at this. And I'm like, yeah, that's how people, a lot of people use social media. Don't be like the sleazy guy with, you know, you want to buy a watch, be the person that's at the table and having the conversation. And it's still okay to have that private conversation, but remember that we're there to be, you know, respectful of the people around us. Yes, exactly. I love your example. And And it's so true. And when I talked about how you can bring a lot of it right to the feed and out in the open, we should never do that with something that we know privately about someone, right? Everyone has their own, you know, line in the sand of what they like to share, how much. Mm. So you do have to be mindful of that. And just because we might like to share more doesn't mean we should ask someone in the feed, like, like, you know, how is your sister doing or something, because it raises a whole lot of questions for everyone else. So Mm. you're absolutely right, Sam, that I think we have to make some intention around what's the way this person would want to be approached or from what I know of them. And is it private? Now, if they've shared it in the feed, I think that's a little different. And that's where you might be able to follow up there. But you're right. It's much like real life. And many just don't stop and think of it that way Mm. to help guide them to showing up more human in their conversations online. Mm. I know you've got a resource, 21 Trust Building Topics, and I think that this is a beautiful segue into this because there's some people that might struggle to apply what we're talking about here. Like, yeah, I totally get it. I want to be the person that's having the conversation at the table. But, you know, how does this happen? So can you share a little bit about this resource and where people can find it? Yes, I'd love to. Thank you. And you're right. Like sometimes people just need some starting points to get things going for them. So I created this list of 21 trust building topics and People can use it like a menu and just see not only which ones might they just go right out there and use, but what does it get them thinking about that they would add to and create your own list of what they are and then start, go out there and start experimenting with it. You know, find or start with your comfort zone and stretch a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, stretch a little and see what do you want to share? What would be fun if you enjoy comedy or humor, like bring that into your social media let people know what you do in your time away from the laptop, right? Those are all trust builders. So there's a list of those that you can get at debcomancom slash trust topics. And it will also like let you know how you can't get access to my whole system around how to build trust and do some of the things we've talked about, how to bring the conversation offline into the DMs and that sort of thing. And I just want to make it easier for people to start in not overthink 
and feel like they can reap the same benefits that those of us who are engaging on Twitter are getting every day from being there and really enjoying opening up the app and feel like we're getting reacquainted with our friends every day. Mm. You know, it should be like that for all of us. Totally. Deb, thanks so much for coming and sharing around social trust, around Twitter chats. What is one thing that you'd like to leave us with today around social media, whatever it is that you feel like would wrap this episode up in a beautiful box with a, with a lovely bow on top? I would say it is before you discard that thought or that story that crossed your mind, consider sharing it. Something from your everyday life, it may be appear very ordinary, like how much you enjoy your cup of coffee in the morning. I did one about how I love stationery and written, you know, notepads and and everybody wanted to engage with it. Mm. It's nothing to really do with my business, but many of us will have those thoughts and we will say, well, that's not a social media post. And I would invite everyone listening in to play around with it. Try some of those. You will be very surprised at some of the things people will gather around and talk about, and then still lead to other things that will actually help you in your business. Mm, Love that so much. Deb, thanks so much today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, Sam. Mine too. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Influence by Design podcast. If you want more, head over to samantharileyglobal forward slash podcast for the show notes and links to today's gifts and sponsors. And if you're looking to connect with other coaches and experts who are growing and scaling their business too, come and join the Coaches Course Creators and Speakers group on Facebook. The links are all waiting for you over at samantharileyglobal.com.